Why does it sound different? What do you mean? Uh, it sounds so like it's scratching through the air. No, it doesn't. Is it because it's cold outside? Do planes sound different? I don't know. I this think planes sound different in the cold. Winter here, so. Well, this is a new podcast. Where we study aerodynamics and the sounds they make. And the way that the air density, along with condensation in the air, impacts the sound quality of airplane mechanics. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> You're on the edge of your seat. We can tell. God, can you One imagine? One person is like, oh my God, this is great. They're like, I have been trying to look this up <laughs> I've been living for 30 for years <laughs> and nobody thought it was interesting but me. Exactly. And you know what? Here I am. It's my day. Uh, or like those local... Um, Shit, like, like television channels where there's like one guy in his basement working on a birdhouse <laughs> or something. Yep. And he's like, <laughs> so anyways, anyways, yes, before they had YouTube and everybody could load things up there, you had to look at your local channel to get like home improvement. Which so. imagine how controlling that is. Like, I think now social media is extremely mm-hmm. controlling because people can manipulate it, like government, yeah, things like that. Yeah. But imagine, like, before you had access to any free information, everything you got was right off your TV. Exactly. Like, you didn't have any way to connect with somebody in Russia, somebody in London, somebody in Germany, somebody in Africa, somebody in Port- Puerto Rico. Yeah. Like, with all these different ideas and like, ah, no, actually, we don't see it that way. It's just your local station yeah. and whoever was friends with the station manager and that's who right, had to have exactly. Whoever shows. paid the station the most money. All six white guys got all the shows. Yep. And that was it. And sexually harassed all the women that worked there yep. and whoever they wanted. And like, you want to make it big in local TV, honey? I have 633 viewers. So don't mess with me. Literally. <laughs> all of this tiny little town exactly everybody in this town watches me and my home improvement show (laughs) (laughs) so welcome to your queer story um we're the podcast that inspires peace love radicalism and don't start um, adding things paul you're already pushing it and holiday cheer and holiday cheer all right fine holiday cheer (laughs) i was gonna go completely the other direction of course you were to keep you happy i decided not to thank you we actually have little christmas mugs here the wife and i pulled out our christmas mugs got these from dollar general these are actually kind of nice i know that's what i was surprised i wanted i wanted a wider nicer mug two box look at that i know mine says merry and bright evan says it's the the most most... wonderful time of the year yeah real cute um feeling festive I haven't shaved in, in like two weeks. This is nothing new. Don't act like this is something new. This is how you look every time you come over here. That's true. I not that. This is how I went to work today. <laughs> <laughs> so sure, everybody it's was like, sweater, hmm. frumpy sweater. My uh, hair is completely in a mess. It's needs in desperate need of a haircut. I need to shave my face. But uh, yeah, I, I get. I think nobody talked to me at work today. It was great. So I think this is like the new. <laughs> Those are the best. The days. new look. Oh, I worked. <laughs> I worked fourteen hours yesterday. I worked a Sunday all day, and did somebody call off? No, um, I did it to myself because we didn't have hours. So you know, mm. did I do it to myself or did the company do it to me? But you know what? I didn't mind on a Sunday because it's already kind of dead, and then it snowed the last half of the day. So I got a crap ton of stuff done. Sorry you know. if you just heard that yeah, weird little heard. audio that I, I swallowed very That's what he sounds awkward. like when he's swallowing. Apparently. That's why you could never make it in the porn industry. Because <laughs> it's just... In the background. <laughs> like, what the like, fuck's going like, on? No, do a sexy choke. He's like... <laughs> 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 I'm glad we crack each other up. Uh, 
<laughs> this is why doing? we need our own sitcom. Nobody else would laugh, but we'd watch it. We we'd, would be cracking we'd, the We'd fuck see all up. the one-star reviews and be like, you guys just don't know what's funny. <laughs> you guys don't know humor. Um, anyways, using that intro to go and talk about Safe Place. <laughs> um, we are trying to raise some money, guys, for uh, an organization. It's a national organization called Safe Place. And uh, we got a little promo video coming out for you. Um and a couple other things, but it's, this is an organization where you can go anywhere and you look for the little, it's a little yellow sign that says safe place. And if you are, in, it's a yellow diamond, a yellow diamond. And uh, so if you are a, a queer youth or if you're a woman in a domestic violence relationship, or if you're a person who's living in a place that's not safe, you can go there and you can find a, um, a representative. They get you in touch with the safe place representative and they get you to a safe location um and help you out you just text the word safe to i don't know because i don't have it on here look for the promo <laughs> uh, wow i know i know i, don't I think know. it's for help isn't it i think yes you're right you're right we did a whole video for help you text the word safe to that number and it's they help the you number out. four help so the number four h-e-l-p yep so anyway so we're raising money so if you guys can help us or if you you know want to donate to a good organization this year like i said it's national um, they're, they're trying to get more and more businesses to put these signs in their, um, windows. They're trying to have more, um, you know, have more representatives and more places for people to go. So you can go to safe place or you can go to your queer story. Cause we're going to put a link on our website and, you know, donate a couple dollars. It's a lot better than the Salvation Army. Uh, yeah, they're, we're actually, or they're actually working to help people safe places where the Salvation Army is just trying to control them. Exactly, and exclude them. <clears throat> exactly. Um, yeah, so for donating there, every $5, I think we said. Yep. Uh, gets you an entry into a raffle. Yeah. The winner of that raffle wins the extremely amazing, incredible prize of getting a one-on-two FaceTime or Skype mm-hmm. or video chat of some sort with Evan and I, where you can ask us all the spicy questions that you've been dying to know. Yes. So if you go through Safe Place and not through us, just send us a picture on our social media and say, "Hey, I donated through here." Send us a pic of your, do- of your social of uh, send us a pic of your donation, or we can see it on our end. Um, and if you want to donate to a place all year round, you can always donate to our Patreon. Because we are working on spinning off and doing some stuff this Pride season coming yep. up. We are mm-hmm. six months away, which sounds like so long to anybody who doesn't do anything for Pride <laughs> season but show up and have fun. Which if that's all you do, great. That's what I Good used to love you. to do. Yeah. But. Um, for us to try and plan either some travel or even if all we can do is some local stuff, we kind of have to start making reservations now. We have to yep. start coming up with plans, things like that. And every dollar through Patreon really helps us do that. And I mean, if you're thinking I'm not going to go there for a dollar, like that's nothing that's kind of embarrassing on me. If you're thinking that for whatever reason, just know that every dollar helps. Yeah. And um, we are very appreciative of it. Yeah, we, we do appreciate it a lot. Everything goes to the podcast. We always say that. It's true. Nothing goes in our pockets. It goes to equipment. It goes to um, the website. And we're hoping to put it now towards travel and booths at these local prides. So, And if you want us to come to yours, you know, give us a shout out. Yes. And eventually, when our Patreon gets big enough, we will hire an audio engineer. Yeah. Which means that our episodes will sound even better. Mm-hmm. They'll be put together... All the crazy stuff that I leave in there will be edited to make it sound a little more professional. Still fun, but a little more professional. <laughs> um, all the mistakes Evan makes will actually get edited out. Sure. Um, yeah, it would it would be the next level for our podcast, I think. Yeah. 
And, so that's, uh, yeah. yeah. So that's, uh, there's <laughs> that's a little bit out of the way. Um, but we are jumping in today. We're talking about villains of the LGBTQ. It's been a little while. I think it's been since Mike Pence was the last time. Yeah, we've done a couple like was... uh, queer villains, but not villains of the, LG- the LGBTQ. So there's a difference. Queer villains are people who are villains, but they're queer. And villains of the LGBTQ is our series where we talk about people that have deliberately tried to hurt or harm the queer community. And, uh, you know, yeah, that was episode 50, I think, was wow. Mike Pence. So, so we are... Too behind. Yeah, we're way behind. So we're sorry, guys. But we'll make it up to you, we promise. Yeah. With this one. This one's going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be everything you ever hoped for. <laughs> oh, well, we set the bar high. So now we can't please anyone. Um, <laughs> it's like three in the afternoon and I'm not awake yet. I don't know what I have to do. Yeah, I, I so kind of woke up today. today and I, like, I couldn't really get out of the bed. Mm. But I've had... This is my... Fifth cup of coffee? I thought you were cutting back on your caffeine. I, I, I saw you put an SOS out on social media about how you need to stop drinking so much coffee because it's giving you panic attacks. Look at now you're having blackouts. I Pump. did. I really write that. Yes, you did. You said I've got to cut back because I'm having panic attacks from my coffee. I was either drunk or <laughs> under the influence of a medicinal herb when I wrote that. Though, well, you I did. don't remember. You or put both. it on our social media. You put it on Twitter. I'm pretty positive. Oh, you know what? That was the trending hashtag, and I was just trying to write a hashtag so we mm. could get some more followers. Okay. Well, I remember it now. You know it was also true. So whatever, whatever lie you want to tell yourself. <laughs> um, but good to see that you were cutting back. <laughs> I'm over here like shaking my hair, just bouncing all around, scratching at my like finger, uh, my fingernails. Nice. So uh, today we are um, covering Anita Bryant, which probably sounds vaguely familiar. If you're familiar with American uh, anti-queer people or organizations, you're probably like, what is that name? What is that name? She's most known for her pie in the face. Which was a brilliant video. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was incredible. You it was still everything it I wanted out of a <laughs> out of a bigot. It's like what I want to see. Yeah, yeah. You can still go to YouTube and look up Anita Bryant pie in the face. It's there for you to see. But we are back with another episode of our series, Villains of the LGBTQ, and we're discussing the woman who launched the modern day anti queer movement in America, Anita Bryant. So much of the anti-LGBTQ rhetoric we hear in today's society is based on Bryant's attack of the queer community, and her advocacy against us homos has been running for nearly as long as the queer revolution. And where did this woman come from? Who is she, and why the hell does she have such a problem with our community? We'll do our best to answer those questions and more, so let's dive into the story of a beauty queen and pop singer turned Christian fanatic and queer basher. Didn't know she was a pop singer. That's interesting. I bet her music was horrible, which is why she turned against the queer community. I bet she just got so many anti. She, people probably all the gays got on there and like, honey, your music's like, horrible. Really? You your need music, to get your um, hair. You need to stop. Yeah, and then she was like, all right, fuck the gays. <laughs> probably. That's I'm telling you now. It was a downward spiral. Born in Barnsdall, Oklahoma, on March 25th, 1940, Anita grew up in a broken home. Her parents split shortly after she was born, and parts of her childhood included long stays with her grandparents while her mother looked for work to support the family. Anita was certainly a gifted child, and it became apparent that she was meant to be an entertainer. Her first song she ever remembers learning was Jesus Loves Me, and apparently she never heard the other popular children's songs, Jesus Loves the Little Children. All the children of the world. No, Anita seems self-obsessed from every from 
even from an early age. Yes, she said she was always meant to be a star. She I've knew it. always meant to be a yes. star. One of those, oh my God, I just got a picture. She's in her bathroom, like her records aren't selling. She smashes the mirror and in the reflective smashed mirror, her makeup smeared. She's mm. crying and she's like, I'm a star. You're like a star, shaking, she's doing you know. coke off the, the counter. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be a movie producer. Look at me. <laughs> Look at you. Hollywood, hello. I'm a star over here. <laughs> Is anybody listening? Right. So when she was six years old, she held her first performance at the local fairgrounds near Barnsdale. Her singing caught the attention of a radio manager, and Anita was often brought on air to entertain listeners all across Oklahoma. And perhaps this local notoriety gave her the boost she needed to win Miss Oklahoma in 1958 at age 18. She went on to compete for Miss America and came in second place in 1959. The next four years were the heyday of Anita's entertainment career. She released one pop album every year between 1959 and 1964 and had four songs hit the Billboard Top 20. And of course, we remember this as in the days when the charts were solely dominated by white people and therefore often and therefore offered little true competition. Uh, yeah. So yeah, if you've ever seen um, Dreamgirls, and I don't know if you've seen that incredible musical, have you not seen it? Paul, you would like this. I promise you would love Dreamgirls. There's I love nothing, how you I am, are so shocked by every time you're like, have you seen that? Because like, this no. one, I don't know how you've fucking seen Cats and you haven't seen Dreamgirls, which by the way, are you excited about that? Did you know that they're making a movie? Making yeah, a I'm movie? excited. I want to go. It I don't see movies. movie. It looks creepy, but it also looks magical. It looks just weird and everything that I was like, do I want to see Cats? No. And that's in the, this trailer. It's confirmed that for me. But you would love and appreciate Dreamgirls. And they talk about that in there about how like the white people kept stealing all black people's songs and music and they would turn it and they would make it so boring and dumb. But of course, white people are like, oh, wow, this isn't crazy. Mm-hmm. Incredible. How did they do it this? It takes all the soul out of it. And it's exactly. just a very, I mean, I love Blondie. I love her music. But have you ever seen that bitch perform? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Oh, my God. If you look up a video of her on YouTube. No. All right. You can't see me on the podcast, but I got to show Evan something. She stands and she just goes like this. She just she sings. And this is from what? Blondie. No, but like, what is Blondie? She's an, a singer. Blondie's a singer? Call me. I don't know the song. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, I'm You're cutting this part me. out, but I'll show no, you. Okay. <laughs> no, but how do you, how do you, how is Hairspray one of your favorite musicals and you haven't seen Dreamgirls? Dreamgirls is literally like the black perception of Hairspray. Because I have never even heard of it. Okay. Well, you know what? It has Beyonce on it. It has Jennifer Hudson is in it. Is it new? No, it's not new, Paul. Look at how many. <laughs> yes, I shouted, and I just—I should have shouted. Look at—you have offended half of our base. I cannot believe you right now. Um, also, uh, until about four or five years ago, I was locked in a basement in Gary, Indiana, <laughs> completely isolated from the world, playing yes. video games in my deep, dark depression. So, if I haven't seen something, I feel that's like why. I probably told you to watch Dream Girl, and so. I was probably drunk and said, "Yeah, I'll watch it," and then completely forgot about that conversation. Have you ever heard of Beyonce's "Listen"? Nope, I can't sing. Oh, just. Well, the podcast is over, folks. I'm sorry, but the friendship has come to an end, and we're leaving. <laughs> Thanks and for it listening. just ends like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. It's your turn. Um, where am I at? We're, yeah. I don't even know what we're talking about. We were about. talking about how uh, her her shitty songs were, she had four of them mm. on the top 20, and but she had no real competition. All right, so still, life was a fairy tale for the rising star. She married a DJ named Bob Green in 1960, and the two had four kids together. The entertainer kept busy, appearing on various television shows, working ad campaigns, and moving on to record religious albums. Her most iconic work through 
Her most iconic work, though, would be landing the job as spokesperson for the Florida Citrus for the Florida Citrus Commission. I really don't know why I was expecting a different word. That's why I was struggling with citrus because I was like, this is not where I thought this was going in any way, shape, or form. She was like on the Tropicana ads. Yeah, basically. Yeah, <laughs> of that time. Yeah. Anywhere a person, anywhere a person looked, there was a billboard of Anita or a commercial with her sipping a glass of OJ and saying. Breakfast without orange juice is just like a day without sunshine. And this is all... She actually had a really like shrill, whiny voice. Breakfast without orange juice is like oh, a day without sunshine. Kind of like the um, Route 6 Automakia in Swansea. <laughs> Not quite that bad, but yeah. <laughs> it's a local commercial and it's awful. If you're from New England, mm. you know what we're talking about. Go ahead. And this is all well and good. We have no qualms with Anita's early life. She was a hardworking mother and businesswoman, which we can admire. But things changed in 1969. And if that year sounds familiar, it's because that's the year my mother was born. No. <laughs> If that here sounds familiar to you, then we've been doing our job here at Your Queer Story. <laughs> so, I can't focus today. I, can't, no, you I, think I, have, I think I've had too much caffeine. It's all kicking in could now. It, could that be it? All right. You know, you could have said water when I said, do you want something to drink? What's that? Nineteen sixty nine was the official birth of the queer revolution. Yes, there have been yes, there had been stirrings for decades, but the riots at Stonewall on June twenty eighth sparked a national public outcry. Go back and listen to our Stonewall uh, our Stonewall episodes. Blah. All across the nation, newspapers told stories of the two-day-long riot, followed by marches and demonstrations in cities all over America. The country as a whole was in a sexual upheaval as people from all walks of life bucked the social roles enforced on them. Just two years earlier, the landmark case of Loving vs. Virginia allowed for interracial couples to marry, which also struck down a long list of local laws which prohibited interracial couples from living together or even having sex together. You know what really grinds my gears? Whenever there's some Christian interracial couple that has a problem with gay people oh getting married. And I'm God. like, you know that the entire reason that we can get married is because you were first allowed to get married. Like you weren't allowed to have sex with right. someone of another race. Mm-hmm. And and now you're fine with that. That's right. okay. But if we're, if I, wow. Right? It's like, oh my God. But you know what? I've always said it on this podcast. It, everybody wants to have somebody lower than them mm-hmm. because it makes them feel good about themselves. Exactly. They're like, we're an interracial couple, but at least we're not a gay couple. <laughs> exactly. It's literally like, that's what it's like. Yeah, it's, yeah, I agree. So couples could now legally live openly with their relationship, though they weren't safe from discrimination and violence. Another social change came in the form of music. Rock and roll had erupted with the entrance of the Beatles at the beginning of the decade, and by the end, famous bands such as Led Zeppelin were making their debut. And the theme of sex, drugs, and rock and roll began to emerge in the American narrative, which greatly unsettled white suburban Christian households. And when The Doors, Jim Morrison, was accused of exposing himself at a concert, the right-wing conservatives went wild. To this day, no one really knows whether Morrison actually exposed himself. At the time, he was arrested and convicted, but managed to walk free on appeal. He never made it back to the, court- he never made it back to the courtroom as he died of drug-related heart failure in 1971. Regardless, the seemingly unrelated incident of Morrison's arrest would spark a series of events which led to the first national backlash against gay rights, an outrage that an outrage that has shaped 50 years of anti-queer resistance. Yeah, it's a weird thing, and it's so odd how it's all tied together. It is. But, like, 
and nobody still knows like he was arrested they wanted to put him in jail for three years because and nobody even knew if he had actually like exposed himself like he was too drunk he thought maybe he tried to tuck in his shirt Mm -hmm. and like he he pulled his pants too low or something like no one knows what happened but like people were pissed and you know this was like which is really crazy because when was this was in the 70s right this was 1969 Okay, yeah. I didn't know if like that concert, yeah. specific concert was a little later. Yeah. Um, around that time, I've heard, I've obviously never seen, I have no proof, but I've heard so many people say, oh yeah, in that time people would have like sex on stage and this oh, and that because yeah, of the right? drugs and everything. So I'm really shocked at how crazy they went over this this specific event. I think that, um, well, first of all, it's 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 uh, it comes to like a, where you are in certain locations can take more mm-hmm. offense than others. But also I think that people tend to glamorize the past, you know, they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, whenever, when I, like even the queer community, you hear people like, yeah, when I, when I was, you know, young, they didn't give a fuck who you fucked, but like, yeah, they did. Cause they had these laws in place. And just because you happen to get away with it doesn't mean they right. didn't give a fuck, you know? So people like really up, like people are just having sex on stage and maybe one person one time had sex on stage. Right. And like, it's not like everybody was just fucking around. I guess that's you know, true. I have a, I, I'm, I guess a little gullible where somebody will tell me something and I'll just be like, <laughs> yeah, well, that's crazy. Well, no, I've heard that too. Like people talk about how sexually freeing the sixties mm-hmm. were, and they were, especially when you consider this forties and the fifties, they right. were incredibly sexually freeing. And, but like, I also think that people exaggerate a little bit or they don't remember things like this. They right. don't remember the fact that Morrison was arrested mm-hmm. and was facing three years in prison, you know? Like they, like they remember him exposing himself and they don't remember the consequences. So when news of Morrison's perceived exposure hit the newsstand, the right went into an uproar. Within three weeks of the alleged incident, over 30,000 people protested at the March 23rd Rally for Decency. Held at the Miami Orange Bowl and organized by a local teen, no less, the event was strictly a religious affair. Pastors, celebrities, and Christians of all walks of life filled the arena. Security banned long-haired and weird dressers from attending. That was the wording. That's what they did. So, um, sorry, like, nitty nothing. You're not allowed to uh, come. Yes, huh? What? I said nitty sorry, nitty yeah. nothing. You're yeah. not allowed to show up. Sorry. Uh, I don't know. It's like this is what happened when you have a teen organizing things. Right. Like, well, who's not allowed to come? Uh, how about like the long-haired, weird dresser people? They can't come. Like, all right, and they put that in the pamphlet. So, speakers <laughs> spoke adamantly about the God and perseverance of sexual and the preservance. I put perseverance, but it's supposed to be the preservance of sexuality. The organizers then introduced the five virtues, which are as follows. One, belief in God and that he loves us. Two, love of our planet and country. Three, love of our family. Four, reverence of one's sexuality. And five, equality of all men. A list filled with irony, to be sure, considering the next 50 years of activism by the right. Right? Like, number two is love of planet and country, mm-hmm. says the people that deny climate change. Right. right? Reverence of one's sexuality, says the people that deny any sexuality that's outside straight. Mm-hmm. Equality of all men, says the people that deny equality to everybody that's not white and straight. That's not a white, straight Christian. Yeah. Exactly. But most importantly about the event was the attendance of Anita Bryant. The fading pop star found a new purpose at the rally. She was dismayed by the changes in America and the rejection of strict fundamentalist values. She was like, 
I can't get all my orange juice cells. Oh, I, I can't do a Rhode Island accent. I don't know. She Route doesn't six have her... auto Kia. I can't do all my my orange juice. I can't do it. First she of, was she's just not from angry. Rhode Island. But that's the only that's the only shrill voice I can think of. That that fucking commercial. Oh God. Can't do it. I'm horrible at accents. The only accent I can do is white gay guy from the Midwest. And you so. do it great. I do it very well. You nail it. Go ahead. Uh, so for the next several years, Anita worked silently as the religious right built the structure of the so-called moral majority, uh, or now known as the silent majority, right? That's what yeah, they're trying yeah, to call themselves. Yeah. <laughs> then in 1977, it became Anita's time to shine. And this happened with the January 18th passage of Dade County's Anti-Discrimination Act. The local ordinance would prohibit businesses and landlords from denying work or housing to queer people, an initiative that had been lobbied for by the Dade County Coalition for Human Rights of Gays and Hetty... And, and headed, and, headed, and headed by three particular gay activists: Jack Campbell, Bob Kastner, and Bob Kunst. And it was a much-needed ordinance. While Miami had already was, while Miami was already world-renowned for its gay nightlife, local authorities had worked hard to remove queer people from public sight. In 1956, proud Baptist and former Florida Governor Charlie Johns founded the Florida Legislative Investigation Committee, known most commonly as the Johns Committee, and was nothing more than a local group of McCarthy wannabes. For the next decade, the Johns Committee wreaked havoc on every form of civil rights group from the NAACP to the Dade County Gay Rights Movement. They weeded out and fired every queer government employee they could find. The committee also printed and sold the notorious purple pamphlet, which was meant to educate the public on the dangers of homosexuality. Yet instead, it incited a public outcry because the pamphlet was filled with erotic <laughs> pictures of male-on-male sex. And while the group had intended to turn the booklet into a bestseller, instead they were sued. The only people really buying the pamphlets were the gay community who had found a very cheap form of porn. It's true. It's like, I saw some of the pictures. It's just this very erotic. And they put like all the gay terminology and they're trying to be like, see, you got to watch out. This is what they'll say to each other. But instead it's just a porno with gay terminology. Mm-hmm. So you like give it to all the new gays. You're like, these are the words you need to know, honey. <laughs> Welcome to the community. Basically, that's what the gay community was doing. Like, you know, they, there was a couple little things about how gay people are disease ridden and they just ignored that. And they, they're like, here's some good porn. Mm-hmm. Still, despite their hilarious blunders, the group was still dangerous. They turned their attention to the state's universities, especially for Florida State. Local law enforcement was recruited to apprehend suspected homosexuals on campus and bring them into interrogation. There, the Johns Committee would play both judge and jury in deciding the fate of the individual. Which is even more terrifying when we remember that sodomy was still illegal in Florida and would remain illegal until the Supreme Court ruling in 2003. 2003. Yeah, six years, 16 years, what what year is it? 16 years ago, people. Yeah, so the, I'm going to bet that almost everybody listening to this was alive whenever Florida or like half the states in the country finally allowed gay people to have sex together. And if you were born after that, make sure you have your parental consent to listen to this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> if we say some things in here that you shouldn't I don't think they're that bad, but I just don't know how a child would perceive Probably them. not, probably shouldn't, but you know what? If you like it, go ahead. I was watching porn at 12, so do okay, what you Okay, we're do. not advocating for that. <laughs> we're saying if you're under 16, have parental consent. And if you don't, you know what? It's not our problem. <laughs> the committee's blatant disregard for the law, along with their excessive cruelty, left a lasting stain on Dade County. Though there was no remorse from Johns, who told reporters years later, 
if we saved one boy from being made homosexual, then it was justified because I'm going to Jesus Christ land. <laughs> Yet 50 years later, the city did not share their former governor's sentiments. The Sun Sentinel wrote of Charlie John and his cronies' abuse of power. They persecuted civil rights leaders, university professors, college students, public school teachers, and state employees for imagined defenses against redneck sensibilities. Nicities. Nicities. Niceties like due process or the right to counsel or civil liberties were ignored. They employed entrapment and blackmail. Yeah. But while progress has definitely been made, in 1977, the ideas of many Floridians mirrored that of Charlie John's. And the belief that any means necessary to deny gay rights was justified certainly mirrored that of fellow Baptist Anita Bryant. When Dade County passed the ordinance protecting queer people from discrimination, just 10 years after the Johns Committee reign of terror had ended, another wave of hate arose on the horizon. And we don't mean Anita's hair, though you could see where there could be confusion. Ah, yeah, that shit was, what? (laughs) Put the picture in there for Paul. And there is a... You know what, though? (laughs) She has this, like... What? If you look at the shadow, it Mm kind of reminds me of, like, a dainty housewife kind of vibe. Like... You know, well, it's, but yeah. then you look at her and I'm just like, girl, how is your hair one solid piece? <laughs> how is anybody's? It's very much a hairspray style. Look, it's like she know? took. a. OK, imagine you have like long hair mm-hmm. and you take a comb or like a brush and you take hairspray. And as you're pulling the brush up through your yeah. hair, you just like spray it with hairspray. So oh, yeah. as you're going, it just turns into like one solid piece. Well, I had. So that was like a big look in the in the cult. For a while and so like girls did different ways like they would have it down and so they would they would either spray their hair up and over and do that big again although if you haven't seen hairspray i don't know how to explain it but there's that big bump in the front or some people would actually put rollers underneath and yeah, they put it over to too. hold it you know so like every girl has their way of doing it but yeah i could do that style let's <laughs> go ahead when news that the ordinance was on the books for approval first broke it caused little concern but some clergy were worried about and begat to speak. Began. Oh, I was like, that's a new word. I'm just going to go with it. <laughs> but some clergy were worried and began to speak out against the anti-discrimination law. So one Sunday in December, Anita's pastor at Northwest Baptist Church pled with his con- congre- congregation to fight this in- insidious sin. He told the churchgoers that if the law was passed, he would be forced to hire a sodomite to teach at their Christian school. Can't have that. Nope. And to drive to... The point further, the pastor brought in a local police officer to speak to the congregation. The officer showed the attendees graphic images of male-on-male sex as well as child pornography, which, um, why is he not in jail? I don't he, know. It's like, what is this? How, where did he get that from? I like, don't. He, no, normal people don't just have child this pornography This is what's to show so insane about It's like in, in my cult, like we every year, not every year, but many times we had this thing about abortion and they would put up these horrible videos of of like i don't even know if they were all human remains it would just be any bloody glop that they could find and they would you know they would show that to to a church full of kids like you would be eight years old and you would be seeing these chopped up bodies and they're like it's okay because we have to shock you into knowing how wrong this is control exactly it's literally traumatizing it's fear it's fear to control exactly um 
the attendees oh wait um he assured the group yeah. yeah so he assured the group that this is what would be taught in their schools if a queer was allowed equal access to job employment all four of anita's children attended the church christian school and she was terrified by this prospect prospect because you know who's going to come in and molest your children the fucking queers not the fucking mm-hmm. pastor you have up here even though i've touched all your kids you know what you get a queer in here, he's going to do it worse. Yep, yep. That's literally, like, I just don't, I don't get it. It, blo- I don't it blows your mind. Get the, it. The, hist- the church's centuries-long history of molesting children, and people are still like, church is the safest, safest place for a children- child, but they will push the narrative of... Uh, that gay people are homosexual or gay people are homosexuals that gay people <laughs> I'm not a homosexual I will not have you calling me that word <laughs> not a homosexual I'm just a queer um, no they'll push the narrative that that homosexuals are pedophiles and it comes from this so if you're mm-hmm. wondering why people are still pushing that narrative 50 years later it comes specifically from uh, Anita Bryant and this campaign so when the law came up for vote in early January of 1977 the courtroom was packed Churches all across the state had sent busloads of people to protest the ordinance. Anita herself spoke at the hearing and told commissioners, The ordinance condones immorality and discriminates against my children's rights to grow up in a healthy, decent community. Yet despite the strong opposition, the law passed 5-3. to three. It was a fleeting victory for gay rights activists. A counter-protest was, bu- was brewing and a new leader was emerging. Anita Bryant led the charge against gay equality. She formed one of the most central organizations to anti-LGBTQ activism to this day. In fact, it is not a stretch to say that Anita Bryant is the mother of the anti-queer movement. Fuck that bitch. Pyre in the face. (laughs) Within days of the new law being enacted, Bryant, along with her husband and over 30 other conservative leaders, formed Save Our Children, Incorporated. (laughs) The first goal of the movement was to collect 10,000 signatures to repeal the anti-discrimination vote. The strategy behind the campaign was necessary to overturn the vote what yeah that's what they needed oh, oh okay yeah. did, oh I, I was saying the save our children strategy okay, sorry. yeah i got it in reality strategist mike thompson had found that more than 60 percent of dade county women were in favor for the anti-discrimination law they saw the gay community as fun harmless and far less of a threat to them than many straight men because you know what straight men were fucking raping them and exactly. cornering them and groping them and, and catcalling them, them like just completely assaulting them. And the gay community was like, hey, honey, let me help you with your eyeliner. Exactly. exactly. And they're like, you want to put on some cool outfits and go out and have fun? Well, that was exa- that was exactly the problem because all these these women had friends who were gay and they were like, it's fine. Obviously, the, gut, the many of the men were still homophobic, but they couldn't get the women on their side because women were like, but I love Tony. He's great. He mm-hmm. does my hair every Sunday. Right. In order to make these women fear the queer community, Anita's campaign had to play to their fears. And so they made the protest about the rights of the child. By spreading deliberate lies to paint the queer community as child molesters, the right could pull all sense of reason and sanity away from any mother. And Anita ran with the strategy. She campaigned all over the state, pushing the lie that homosexuals were all child molesters in disguise. She went on national television and told parents and gay pe- and told parents that gay people were passing out pro-homosexual pamphlets at school in an attempt to recruit our children. A complete fabrication and a statement she later denied making, even though it was on video evidence. Trump 1.0. Exactly. <laughs> this is the female Trump. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Never said that. Nope. 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 Like, no we, collusion. No ch- collusion with Russia <laughs> or China we have or the schools. <laughs> you just denied, denied, denied. <laughs> on one outing, she told the crowd, some of the stories I could tell you of child recruitment and child abuse by homosexuals would turn your stomach. 
As with most alt-right agendas, she went to the far extreme and Bryant told listeners that if gays are granted rights, then we'll have to give rights to prostitutes and to people who sleep with St. Bernards and to nail biters. I don't know what the nail biters, I'm, I'm assuming that's some kind of slang. I don't know. I've I didn't have time to look that. it up. Maybe that is, I don't even know. I have no, the only thing that I could think of is people with mental illness, like, cause that's an anxiety thing. Could be. But. Hopefully that wasn't insulting to say. I just don't know where she could have went with that. I have no idea. If you know what a nail biter means, let us know. Or maybe it's lesbians because they bite their nails. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. She was She was very certain that the, the that we'd have to give rights to all those people. Yep. By June of 1977, Save Our Children had far surpassed their goal of, and collected over 66,000 signatures to repeal the anti-discrimination ordinance. The campaign then went national. Save Our Children created a TV commercial that pitted so-called wholesome entertainment with queer entertainment. Um, they cut up images of the Orange Bowl Parade versus images of San Francisco Gay Pride Parade, making sure to choose the most shocking and offensive material to depict the queer community. The organization also ran full-page ads in the paper with pictures of negative queer headlines from around the country. And at the top, the ad read, Think all homosexuals are nice? There is no human right to corrupt our children. Yeah, so so like the Orange Bowl, if you don't know, it's like the Super Bowl in Florida. Not the Super Bowl, but it's a it's a big uh, football game in Florida, and very um, very white, very uh-huh. heterosexual. And you know, then they take that, and obviously, if you pit that against fucking pride parades, uh, yeah, complete op- <laughs> like literally like, complete opposite. Exactly, like have like maybe a regular gay rights uh, um, rally, but no, mm-hmm. they don't. You know, we could pick. Black Friday photos it's against. Like here's a, Tom Brady you know, and here's a, a twink and wings with a jock strap on. Yeah, which one is more? Which one <laughs> terrifies you more? Yeah. So by their, by for their part, the queer community lashed back at Bryant. They called for a national boycott of Florida citrus orange juice and created pins and shirts that read, "Anita Bryant sucks oranges." And <laughs> can squeeze, we get one of the, like a vintage one of those? Oh, for the I'm studio? sure we could. I'm sure we should look for one. Of I'd those. love to do that. Yeah. And also squeeze a fruit for Anita. <laughs> I like both yeah. of those. The boycott did prove somewhat beneficial considering the amount of orange juice served in gay bars. Uh, yeah, hello, screwdrivers. Yeah, right? So any drink with OJ was taken off the menu and in its place, bars served the Anita Bryant cocktail. It was made up of vodka and apple juice and many bars donated all or some of the proceeds from the drink to the gay rights movement. I don't know how good that would be, but if it was the fuck Anita Bryant, I'd do it. Oh, I would have done it too. Right, I would have been yeah. like, you know what? This isn't very good, <laughs> but fuck that bitch. We will drink shit. We drink Mr. You. Boston. That's we right. are okay. That's true. Let's, let's not pretend that we're like that refined. Make great goose, please. <laughs> the Florida queer organizations also tried to recruit some outside help. Unfortunately, disagreements on how to run the campaign caused more division than aid. Most of the outside help wanted a civil and controlled campaign, while many queer Floridians were too enraged by the outlandish lies. Yeah, I would have been trying to riot, and you would have been like, it's okay, we can just have a nice little walk well, in the street and everybody will listen to us. Th- so maybe, maybe uh, in the past I would have, you're right. But it all, and also like, it does like, again, like if you're living in San Francisco and you're coming in like, all right guys, let's settle down, mm-hmm. but you live there and someone's... You're being harassed daily and just ridiculous lies. I mean, not a shred of evidence. And of course, you're going to be like, no, fuck that. Right. In May, Jerry Falwell came to Dade County to help Anita host a rally. While he had spoken out against gay rights in church, this was Falwell's first national attack on the queer community. He would go on to become the founder of the political activist organization, The Moral Majority. 
which would be a formidable force against the LGBTQ community in coming years, especially in its influence on Reagan during the AIDS epidemic. But it was Anita Bryant who pulled Falwell onto the national stage, and it was Anita Bryant who told the large crowd as the Save Our, at the Save Our Children rally, as a mother, I can't do the voice, as a mother, I know that homosexuality cannot biologically reproduce children. Therefore, they must recruit our children. Say what you will, Anita knew how to stick to a message. And probably because all that fucking hairspray in her hair. She just kept breathing <laughs> that shit in. And the message worked. In June of 1977, Dade County residents voted to overturn the Anti-Discrimination Act with a 61% to 39% margin. There would be no legal protections in place for queer Miami residents until 1998, more than 20 years later. And as is often the case when open discrimination is encouraged, the queer community faced a harsh and violent backlash. Two weeks after the law was overturned, a gay gardener was stabbed 15 times while attackers chanted, faggot. And here's one for Anita. Perhaps in connection of merely out of Perhaps in connection or merely out of coincidence, the queer community in Dade County and across the country saw a spike in suicides around this time. But rest assured, Anita took no responsibility. Telling reporters, I can't be responsible for how people react with what happened in Dade County. My stand was not taken out of homophobia, but out of love for them. Ugh. Right-wing people (laughs) are so... They know how annoying they are. Crazy. Like, I'm trying to find a word to, like, no, I love them. That's why I'm telling everybody that they molest children. But because I love them and I want them to, like, I just don't, there's no connection. No way you can connect those two dots. No. But they, like, say it. And, like, I just don't understand how they can live with themselves. Because they have to believe that they love people or else they'd have to face how horrible they are. They have to believe that they're. Action, the way that they hurt people is love. It goes back to a, the whole host of that that world of fundamentalism where you constantly hurt people and you say it's because of love. I'm hurting you because I love you. And you you buy, you buy just live in that mindset. That's why I just don't understand it. That's why I, um, you know, I actually like people and I yeah. want them to succeed, unlike these people. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think it goes into like when you look as well, like, you know, why they have, they're okay with, um, you know, beating their kids you know mm-hmm. you have to believe that you're actually love your that you physically harming your kid and listening to them scream and plead is you showing love like it's an entire fucked up mentality i Go guess ahead. so for the next couple of years anita rode the wave of her activism even helping to stop pro lgbt education in some california public schools but her final spotlight soon dimmed and in the end her activism destroyed her career Perhaps the infamous pie to the face thrown by Tom Higgins in Des Moines, Iowa. Des Moines. Des Moines, Iowa at the end of 1977 was an indication of what was to come. Sponsors who supported gay rights or at least wanted to be left out of the fight soon dropped Anita, including her most prominent contract, the Florida Citrus Commission. A few variety talk shows she went on stopped inviting her to appear, and her pop albums were no longer relevant and rarely played on most national stations. For a while, she still had her religious albums, but those took a hit as well in 1980 when Anita filed for divorce from her husband of 20 years. Oh, but, you know, nothing wrong with her divorce. That's still in the eyes of God. But let me tell you, all these other sinners in her eyes, let me tell you, you got to fight against that. But I can have my divorce because I am a good Christian woman and I just need to do what I need to do Mm -hmm. because 
If you, where's the logic, Anita? Where, where's, no, what's the next step? There's no logic, Anita. What's that's, the next step? That's what's so infuriating because that's she's what a I fucking don't... hypocrite because it was a <laughs> sin, divorce was a sin and that was as wrong as anything else. But that, you know, she, she could be okay with mm-hmm. that. Anita claimed emotional abuse and it seems that it is certainly possible, especially considering her husband, Bob, still did not accept the divorce 27 years later. He told <laughs> the guy was just as crazy as her. So fuck him. This is what she gets. This is what she gets. <laughs> yeah, right. He told reporters that only God could end their marriage. And he was still insisting that Anita was his wife as late as 2007. Okay. The, the, it ended in 1980. And of course oh, he blamed the gays God. for their marriage failing. He was, he did a whole thing. He's like, well, of course it was the gays. You know, mm-hmm. they, they destroyed everything about her. Regardless, fundamentalists sided with Bob. Divorce was never the answer in the alt-right world, and Anita's gospel album soon plummeted. Abandoned by her own community, Anita lashed out in an interview with Ladies Home Journal. The church needs to wake up and find out that some ways to cope with divorce and women's problems. Oh, but not the gays, though. No, just no, no, my no, no. personal just problems. My, not this not is the about problem me. that I put onto other people. No, no, no. See, the, the church could fix this for and me. And the murders I caused and the suicides. But my my divorce, yeah, because I'm finally experiencing something that's being exactly. put against. That's that's a real problem. Yeah. For the next 35 years, Anita Bryant faded into obscurity, no longer wanted by her liberal celebrity friends or her conservative Christian followers. She remarried in 1990, and the couple tried to revive her career by building the Anita Bryant Music Mansion in Pigeon Ford, Tennessee. Which... (laughs) Awful, I'm sure. It's a long... That's a reach there. (laughs) However, the company went bankrupt, and they spent the next decade moving from one failed venture to another. She and her husband are still alive today and have a mountain of debt from unpaid bills and taxes. Her last interview was in 2012, and when asked about the queer community, she stated, I'm more inclined to say live and let live. Just don't flaunt it or try to legalize it. Too late, bitch. (laughs) Despite all her hardships, Anita has never learned that hate doesn't pay. If you see her on the street... Take a pie. Smash She's it seventy nine years old. If don't she breaks do her leg it. on the way down, fucking no, break. Don't, I don't hurt care. an old lady. Don't hurt her. Just smash a pie in her face, <laughs> and whatever happens next is God's plan. <laughs> don't hurt Anita Bryant, but she has. I didn't say in, hurt her. Just smash a pie in, in the her last face. couple years. She's a couple more uh, anti-gay activists have like pulled her up, and like she's she hasn't gotten real involved again, but a little bit, uh, just enough. But but yeah, I mean. It, you know, it shows the end of a very sad life where nobody wants anything to do with her because she never... Because let me tell you, you can be evil and horrible and attack a community, mm-hmm. but you're going to be on the wrong side of history. Yeah. And the day that history switches and that community gets brought up, you're going to fade into obscurity. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to demonize you and you are going to disappear from everything you've ever mm-hmm. achieved. Communities based in hate will always reject you. They, in the end, there will always be, the moment you disagree with them, they will reject you. I promise you that you will find some reason that you don't agree with them and they will drop you because it, it's not based on love and acceptance. It's based on hate. And, she, you know, she went through and she constantly told people, no, this isn't based on hate. It's based on love. But that's what someone who doesn't understand what love looks like. Mm-hmm. She has no concept of what love looks like. So she thinks she's loving people and she's not. You know, if your whole thing is fighting a group of people, Eventually, you're gonna fall out, and you're you know you're gonna be left in the dust. But um, but yeah. So that's your warning to you, kids. Don't live your life based in hate. Don't live your life based on trying to figure out what other people need. Love each other. Help others pull themselves up. Mm-hmm. And yeah, treat everybody like they're your family. How would you? The way I always try to treat everybody is how would I want my 
So if it's somebody, I'm like, how would I want my sister? How would I want somebody to treat my sister? How would I want somebody to treat my mom? How would I want somebody to treat my grandpa? I always try to think of it in that situation, regardless of how the person's acting at that time. And I try to move forward. If they're being a complete angry bigot, ignore them. Yeah. You know, don't. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. Just try to treat everybody (laughs) with love the best you can. Um, You know, obviously it's going to vary depending on the situation, but just try to keep that thought going forward. Absolutely. And um, there's not a recommended resource, but there is a like a three minute documentary on our um, on our reference page. So when we post our script at the bottom, it says short doc. If you click on that, there's a little thing. It's basically what we covered. But, you know, you could see you can like hear her talk and, and some of the things. Um, so that, that would be good. And, um, and don't forget, you know, check us out or go to safe place, mm-hmm. help us raise money for this good organization, help us help other people during, especially during this time. Yeah. So stay queer. Don't get a lobotomy. We love you. Our allied hookers. And a little succulent saffis. Our proud homocrats. And, um, have a sodomy circus. Bye. Bye.